What is going on, everyone? And thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Ronan Bell Show. With me today is Cheryl Merge. I hope you guys enjoy the episode and can learn something. So let's just cut to it and cue that intro. Merge, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Ronan? No, same old, same old. I think I've said it at the start of every podcast that, you know, <laughs> I do the same thing over and over and over again because of the whole coronavirus thing. But, you know, you get in a really good routine, as I said before. <laughs> yeah. So how's, uh, how's school going with the whole coronavirus pandemic? Are you guys having like in-person classes at all? I know it's really hard for especially the subject that you teach. Yeah, you know, it's a bit crazy. It's um, it's difficult because I have kids in school and they're learning all of my professional equipment like Premiere and the, the good new cameras. And my kids at home only have access to most of the time, maybe a DSLR, usually just their cell phones. And then we're using WeVideo, which is a, um, a free app that's fairly... It's fairly functionable on the Chromebooks, but the bottom line is you can't even compare apples and oranges there. And I'm having to teach literally one thing to my face-to-face kids and something totally different to my virtual kids. And it can be absolutely insane, but, you know, you just go with the flow just yeah, as no, what it is. Yeah, no, I'm sure that like it's a whole different thing. To adapt to, especially because I'm sure that you haven't used, you know, the Wii app at all before this year, especially because, I mean, you've been working with Premiere for how long it's been out. Like, that's what most people have learned to, you know, edit and everything on, especially in the broadcasting world. It's like the first thing that everyone gets into. Right. It, it's industry, industry standard. It's just what everybody uses. And to try to teach this class with something that basically... I mean, anybody can put onto their cell phone or to their iPad or whatever. Um, It doesn't give them the same quality by a long shot. Now, the content, the setup of the content can stay the same. You know, you still have all of your basic rules of composition. And, of course, telling the story is really what's most important. Um, But you know what? Frankly, if you can't hear what your interview is about, then it's, it's no good. And frankly, with when you're trying to film with cell phones, you're not getting good audio. And so these, these kids, I feel bad for them. They're getting the basic concepts, but they're not being able to take it to the next level. Like I would expect them to be at this point, I would expect them to be up here, even my lower level kids. I would expect to be up there. Well, it's really interesting because, you know, with this whole world of more people wanting to become like YouTubers or, you know, podcasters, um, it's interesting because you start with, those are you know, two the, different worlds. Those are two different worlds. <laughs> yeah. But, um, the, the thing that the point that I like to make is that, um, it, you know, the very bare minimum is what's being used for the start of most people. Like I didn't you know this microphone that I use is 40 bucks. Like it's not top of the line standard. It's still and, a good and, mic though. That's a good mic. Oh yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> it's a bang for the buck. But, um, the point I'm trying to trying to get to is like the, you, you get to use in uh, your class like the best equipment or some of the better equipment that is used in the industry. And when you get used to that kind of 
thing, you're like, oh, I mean, all my content's going to be this good of quality, right? But it's not like that when you're shooting on, you know, your iPhone or whatever it may be. Or, you know, some people might have flip phones and there's nothing wrong with that. That's how it all started, right? <laughs> I, I really don't think any of my kids have flip phones. <laughs> I don't know no. that many flip phones shoot video. <laughs> but you know what? But I got to tell you, the um, my lower level kids. So, you know, I have three levels. So I have my, my minors and then I have my major ones and my major two. So my minors, my lower level kids, those kids... Um, they don't know yet what they're really missing. And unfortunately, their minds are wrapped around more of what a YouTube type of situation should look like. When in reality, things like jump cuts, you don't see jump cuts in normal film and you certainly don't see it in news, you know, any kind of ENG, any kind of news gathering of any kind. But in YouTube, it's really, really, really common. A lot of the YouTubers, they just, they'll, do the whole spiel, and then they probably don't even have any B-roll to cover those jump cuts and issues like that. So they just go ahead and leave those jump cuts in them, and it's become the norm for YouTubers, which, hey, I'm fine with that, but I don't want my kids to think that that's okay for the things that I want them to do. So it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a game almost, you know, trying to like, try to get them where I want them. But trying to be realistic, you know, if their stuff gets turned in with watermarks, you know, we video or whatever on it, then I just have to go with the flow. And, you know, they're learning a lot, I think, but they're not. Um, unfortunately, they're not allowed or not, you know, they don't have the capabilities of actually getting their hands on the good stuff. And I'll tell you what, Spring Forward has really supplied us with the good stuff. We have top notch equipment. We're far and above most high school programs. Well, that's well. I wanted to ask you that question actually. How many other schools have this broadcasting, you know, class or just club or whatever it may be at like the high school level? Well, you know, on the East Coast, there's actually quite a few, and on the West Coast, there's quite there's quite a few. And funnily, interestingly enough, Indiana is a hot spot for TV programs in high schools. I'm not exactly sure how that ever happened, but maybe it's the influence of being so close to Chicago, which is another one of the big markets. But the bottom line is um, most schools in this area do have at least some kind of TV station or some kind of video type program or club, but very few have the extensive, you know, the leveling that we have and the quality of equipment that we have. And frankly, after teaching this for 20 years, I mean, I know what I'm doing. So they're getting, they're getting good, good stuff from me. My kids go to college ready. And even if they're not going to, you know, go to into film or TV or a news or anything like that, they're still able to see how, how media can be manipulative and things are said or edited in a certain way and presented in a presented in a, in a certain way that can really be fake news and can really make you think that somebody really said this, but in reality they said this and it changes the entire context. So at least they learn that much. They learn not to be, you know, snookered by, by what's going on on TV Oh yeah, hundred percent. Especially because once you have like that basic knowledge, I know like the higher level classes go over things a little bit more in depth. They probably learn a little bit more. They go into deeper topics or more complicated scenarios or complicated editing, whatever it may be. But the general idea is 
for the lower level classes, you have to build a solid foundation, whatever, you know, you're interested in. And the fact that it's broadcasting, like, so what you don't go into, you know, TV or whatever it may be, you know, in this gen, in this day and age, you are on a screen. I would say, especially with COVID now you're on a screen seven to nine hours a day, whether it may be doing schoolwork, you're watching funny YouTube videos, whatever it may be. So just to be able to understand what they're doing a little bit better. I remember when we were watching just um, movies in the class and, you know, picking up on like little things that happen. In normal t- yeah. And you just kind of like look over it to like a, as a normal viewer. And then when you know, like a little bit more, it's really interesting to see, like, even they mess up sometimes. Everybody messes up, even some of the best quality shows out there, like The Walking Dead, which I think is fabulously shot. Even they have had one or two mistakes in their long career. There's always some kind of either a continuity error or it's in, in the case of The Walking Dead, there was a zombie drinking out of a water bottle. So right there, that's something that the average person doesn't pick up because they don't understand the concepts of rule of thirds. They don't understand that you're actually, when you're watching TV, you are, you are entranced and naturally looking at four specific points on the screen. And any errors that fall outside those four points, well, you know what? A lot of editors just leave it in because they know the average person is not going to see it. Now, people like you, hopefully, you got some of the continuity errors. I guess I did Back to the Future with you guys. Yeah, I think so. The there's a couple other movies, too. And the Forrest Gump clip. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's every, every movie, no matter the quality, you know, it can be just a B movie or it can be, you know, a top blockbuster movie. They all have. They all have problems. And it's because of the the way TV and film has to be created. I mean, it's it's just the nature of the beast. It has to happen. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure. The kids, I'm yeah, I'm hopefully sure. the kids are getting something out of it. So yeah, no, and I'm sure that like a couple years ago, or you know, ten years ago, that this whole thing wasn't brought up, and it was known by the industry, and that's it. But now that you have more classes, I'm sure twenty years ago there wasn't a broadcasting class in high school, or there, yes, there was mine twenty one years ago. There you go. Twenty one years ago, <laughs> there was not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they didn't have this, you know, general knowledge of what was going on, and people weren't presented the idea. Another thing that I, I like to would want to talk to you about is, I think that broadcasting and this whole industry of video editing and everything that has kind of been more prevalent in the past five, six, seven years that more people are getting involved in it. And I just want to hear your take on why do you think that not necessarily your class, but broadcasting to be an important part of someone's knowledge going into, you know, whatever it may be. Well, there's a lot to be said for what what we call visual literacy. And visual literacy can be is um, you need to be educated in how you're being manipulated visually. And it's not just TV and film. It's other things, too. You're at the grocery store. Do you know that certain things are put right at eye level? Because that that company has paid more money. And then like sugary cereals, for example, are lower for the little kids to be able to see them. Everything, there's all this visual literacy stuff that people, until they're made aware of it, they don't know they're being manipulated. And if you know you're being manipulated, then you can make better choices. Uh, the candy aisle in a grocery store, you know, not not even the candy aisle, but like the, the little aisles um, 
the checkout lanes where you have candy on the sides, that's all impulse buying. And it's all about how it's visually set. And um, even the, you know, the, um, the papers and stuff you get in the mail and the coupons and stuff, everything's visually treated to make you do or say or buy something. And so visual literacy, I mean, I hit on all that stuff as well as, you know, you need to, when you're looking at, um, a, you know, you're looking at the insurrection at the Capitol, you need to be able to, to learn to look outside of what the media wants you to look at. You need to be able to look Make yourself look and see in the background what's going on. And you often will get much more context to the actual event than just what the media is trying to show you. So, I mean, I am a media teacher, but I can definitely think that there's um, uh, there's definitely some skewing of the facts in today's day and age. You know, that people, um, they present things in a certain way for a certain audience, and people, young kids, well, high school kids, they need to be aware that they're being manipulated visually and so that they can uh, make better informed decisions. So, oh, yeah, it happens everywhere, too. It, like you were saying, it happens in the grocery store. It happens like on the news. If I'm Fox News, I'm going to say one thing. If I'm CNBC, I'm going to say another thing. And that's where you don't really pick up on it until you actually know the facts or you're old enough to realize that hey, maybe this is, there's something behind what they're doing. Because I remember learning in my marketing class last semester that, like you were saying, they put certain things in the grocery store, whatever store it may be, because that's the best place to put it. And that's the the researcher's analysis of saying, hey, if you put this here, you will get more sales. And I was thinking like, there's there's no way. But when you walk through the grocery store and having that knowledge, you're like, wow, that actually makes a lot more sense. It, it's the it's the way of the world. Everything is about consumerism, and and um, we as a visual society, I mean, th- everything is consumerism. Think about what you know. You're watching any video, um, and if you're not paying for the premium package, of course, you're getting commercials popped up. So those commercials, you can't even X out of them a lot of times anymore. Uh, you can't even, you know, proceed to the next part of whatever you're watching. And all of that is um, very cleverly set up and marketed to the right person, all based on algorithms of your searches. Like if I'm watching a video, I'm not going to get um, an ad for diapers. Because I don't search anything kid-related anymore. My kid's almost 20. So that's not a thing for me anymore. But I'm certainly going to get uh, lots of ads about um, anti-aging cream and hair dye and, you know, whatever else little old ladies, you know, they supposedly need. And so it's all a a game to get you to buy more. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, 100%. I completely agree. And that's what the whole everything's an analysis nowadays everything can be broken down in the numbers and something i found really interesting that i was i was researching the other day is about you know ads on youtube and how if you realize in the first 10 if the ads say 20 seconds the first 10 seconds are the most interesting part i'm like well that makes sense but when you when you want it all to be interesting you're like why would i want that i need 10 seconds and that way i get the i get the viewers 
attention. I get everything and they have a general idea of what my company is about. I brought their attention so they would be able to watch the next 10 seconds. And like, it's the same thing with TikTok. If you're the whole way their algorithm works is if, you know, if the first second you're doing something crazy or you yell at the screen, you have a higher chance of catching that viewer's attention and then they're going to watch the video or then it's going to be displayed in front of more people because they're interacting with it. It's, it's all crazy to me how, you know, the age of the internet really brought that to light and people are starting to figure out the algorithms a little bit more and whatever they're doing. Yep. Everybody's almost everybody's involved in the game anymore, you know, and, and, everybody from young kids to adults, they all want to be seen and have their 15 minutes of fame. And um, when you learn how to play the game, you do get a million hits on your TikTok video. You know, it really is, there's a very set way to present um, any kind of content in order to retain your audience. Because frankly, nowadays, especially nowadays, we have an attention span of like, four seconds, maybe five seconds. If I don't see something immediately that engages me, I'm done. I'm gone. And so that's actually a really good lesson for my kids to learn too. When they're making a short movie or they're doing um, some kind of news package or whatever, you can't grab me at the beginning. There's no way I'm sticking around for the middle. So it's it's a good lesson learned. And especially because like the more you learn about the more educated you're going to be, the more informed decision you can make. So you're not scrolling through TikTok or you falling down our YouTube rabbit hole for 15 hours. But um, or something else that I wanted to touch on is the whole theme of broadcasting that I think people look over as if I think that broadcasting is another art form that people aren't really aware about if you're some people are awful at you know drawing pictures i'm one of those people that can't draw at all unless it's maybe like a picture of spongebob or something because that's i've learned how to draw that but besides the point um just the point where you can be so creative in the way you edit a video everyone has kind of a different style a different type of video that they like to edit different you know if i'm going to put this together and this together and i just think broadcasting is just so overlooked aspect of the whole creativity spectrum you know what it really is an art form it's based on the same principles of that sculpture and photography and watercolor painting and it's all based on those composition concepts that everybody every artist has to learn and just because it's done in a visual or digital way doesn't make it any less artistic if you watch a movie that does not have a very high production value, is not very artistic, you're going to know it as compared to something that grasps you right away because there's a real, um, there's a, a real, there's a real art. <laughs> really, that's the word I want. There's a real art to filming and to editing to express what you want to say to your audience. And frankly, you know, you if you see a good movie, you should not at all be bored. You should not have your mind wandering off. You should not be looking for continuity errors and, and that kind of thing. You should be so involved in it because it's so well done. It's just like if I'm looking at a painting that I'm like, eh, it's boring. I don't like it. 
I'm only going to look at it for a couple seconds and then I'm going to move on. But if it's a Picasso, I, I love anything Picasso. So if it's a Picasso, I'm going to, I'm going to stare at it and I want to see the whole thing. I want to see every little bit. I'm going to force my eyes outside that rule of thirds composition. And I'm going to look for every little thing that he, that he tucked in there. And it just is going to make for an all over just more magical experience. So well, it's yeah, definitely an art form. Yeah, no, that that's interesting that you're saying. And these videos take hours upon hours upon hours to edit. It's not like, I'm not talking about, you know, David Dobrik's vlogs or something, but more or less, you know, the V-roll shots and they put music behind it during the cuts and just all these different things. You know, when you're making a music video, how the camera moves, there's all these different variables that go along and, you know, get windled up inside your head and you have to figure out what, what am I putting out here and what is this viewer going to realize? And then it's, it truly takes as long as making like a piece of art. Movies take months upon months to make just like a picture. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the, um, the people that come to me and say, Hey, can you know, can you shoot me a five minute commercial for, you know, X and I'm like, sure, you know, and I make plans with them to get together and start the pre-production and all that stuff. And then, you know, five hours later, like, I thought we were going along since it's been done this and we haven't even shot it yet. So people don't understand how much goes in. If you want a good commercial, I can throw you something together quickly and be done in an hour. But if you really want something that's going to keep your audience's attention, then you need to do it using high production values and all of the creative skills that you, you learn as a professional, you can't just slap something on the screen and expect people to look at it and keep looking at it. You can only expect people to look at the beginning, but you can't expect people to keep looking at it. Yeah. They want to be interested enough to be engaged to, I, if I'm watching the Geico commercial have it and, you know, after I watch them, like, huh, maybe I need to switch my insurance or whatever. Like that's what they're trying to get you to do in the end. So if you watch that commercial all the way through, you have a higher chance of at least going onto the website and then clicking a couple buttons. And then before you know it, you've signed up for a different insurance company. And that's the whole, and like we were saying before, it's what media has done. You know, the longer you watch something more interested, you're in it, then you're going to move on to a different stage and you're going to keep it's I, I like my marketing professor putting it in perspective. I don't remember the exact terminology behind the word, but it's like Disney world. How after you ride a ride that they put you right into the gift shop. And it's like, oh, yeah. it's like the, it's like the portal because after you ride the ride, then you're, you know, you seeing all these things around you that go with the ride. And then you're like, huh, maybe I need to buy this $25 stitch stuffed animal that you really don't <laughs> exactly. need. Yep. And they put you in this mindset where like, oh, you know, maybe I'm going to make this impulse purchase because it's the first thing that you see when you walk out of that ride after spending however long the roller coaster may be. And you're just, you're targeted at these several different things that now, since you've done A and B, you have a higher chance of accomplishing C and D. Right. Right. Absolutely. That, that's the way it goes. It's all about, you know, getting them to, to buy, buy, buy. So it's a bit, I mean, we can keep talking about supermarkets and stuff. I have a thing about supermarkets and how they set up. I'm very savvy on all the stuff like uh, the loss leaders and the end cap stuff. And, you know, they leave the fresh stuffs at the back of the grocery store so that you have to walk through the candy aisle or walk through the cracker aisle. And you most, most people cannot resist 
visual stimulation. If you've got the right packaging, at the, you know, the right color and the right design that's going to and, and put in the right part of the shelf, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I forgot I needed crackers. And I'm going to grab crackers when I only came in for milk. So. No, and that's really interesting. And the thing that, uh, that, that I think is cool is that you are a broadcasting teacher, right? Like, why do I need to know about a grocery store? Why do I need to know right. about Disney World or anything? It's, it's all related. It's all related. Yeah, and it all goes together, and they all they all intertwine into each other. In even if you don't realize it, because they don't want you to realize it. But this is no, where no, they don't. If when you realize that you're being manipulated, then they've lost you. So same thing in a movie. As soon as you realize, as soon as you're is you've lost your your sense of disbelief. Like you're supposed to be able to suspend belief when you're watching a movie. And as soon as they do something either with a continuity error or a bad cut or something, if it knocks you out of that, that sort of um, fog you're in as you're watching, then they, they've lost you in the movie. And so high production value, you know, real quality movies are crucial because, you know, they want you to watch the whole two hours. They want you to be engaged the entire time. And, and yeah, and that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I completely understand. So, Merch, something else that I wanted to uh, talk about was why do you think that broadcasting is a good class for, you know, people in high school to take, even if they don't have, like I was saying earlier, they don't have any interest of going into television or whatever it may be, editing videos? Well, I think we've answered that a little bit with talking about just visual literacy in general. Um, But the bottom line is, for me, I think kids need to just have a class or two where they can just turn their brains off a little bit. My, my class is, is you, when you move up through the, into the upper levels of my class, my class can be very difficult. Um, you have to spend a lot of time and you have to work hard, but the minor is more just like opening your mind a little bit, letting you see what it's really like to, to shoot something professionally. And a lot of kids leave my class with, um, knowing that they're not going to be manipulated quite as easily and with a whole new respect for how much time and effort a movie takes or a stop motion takes or even a short 30 second commercial at least they they leave respecting that and and frankly um between all of those those pieces my class is a major asset for kids to just do something other than physics and chemistry and math and English and AP this and AP that, it gives them a little bit of a, a glimpse into the world that they live in, that they're engrossed in and they're, they're like submerged in, you know, 24 seven, at least they were able to recognize a little bit of um, what people are trying to pull on, pull over on them essentially. Yeah. Cause the past in, before you get into high school or even say, you know, kindergarten through 10th, 11th grade, you take the same five, six, seven classes your entire life up to there. You go from math to English to history to science or whatever it may be. And now you get to explore these different ideas that maybe not have been presented to you before, which is the interesting part about high school. And, you know, now I'm in college, obviously, and there's a whole bunch of different avenues to take. But I think that that's a good 
I don't want to say brain break because that's not what I'm looking for. It's more of to use a different part of your brain that you probably haven't done before. Like it, you, some people are not good at art. Like I was saying, I can't draw anything, but there's still other ways to use that creativity part inside your brain that you haven't just been presented yet. And that's what I think broadcasting can do for a lot of people is that they, if they don't like something and they think it's stupid or whatever it may be, don't say it's stupid yet. You got to just keep trying the different avenues until you make that right turn. Right. Until you get exposed to something, you can't possibly know whether you're going to like it or not. And I've had some kids come in uh, that have um, had absolutely no interest at all in broadcast, but they were like, Oh, it looks like an easy minor. So I'm just going to throw it in there. And all of a sudden, you know, three years later, they're in my upper level kids and they're going to temple for a film because they, they didn't know they, they loved it until they started to get into it. So it's, um, it's valuable in that it expands their brains a little bit more, opens them up to new ideas. I do like what you said about it does use the right side of the brain. It's much more creative. And I'm actually not a very creative person. Um, I can't draw. Uh, I'm a pretty decent writer, but I, I definitely I can't draw. I can't paint. I can't. I can't sing. I don't play an instrument. But I'll tell you what. Visually, I am. It, it's my niche. I can catch a continuity error a mile away. It's just something that I've always been really, really good at, and I've always been interested in video, and always been a photographer. So it's more everything I've always been really good at has been very visually oriented. So, yeah, society deems these four things as artistic or creativity. And until you're brought to light with it and you realize like, hey, maybe like this, this should be included in the creativity spectrum because I can still, you know, get the idea out of my head in just a different way instead of writing it on paper or whatever it may be. And that's what I think tech, the whole technology spectrum, you know, there's always the good and the bad to everything. The good part about it is it's bringing to light these people that are creative and were unable to find an outlet for that create creativity until they were able to, you know, find broadcasting or find graphic design, be able to use Adobe Illustrator, like all these different products that are now very prevalent in today's day and age. But before that, they just thought that whatever, I'm not, I'm unable to draw. I'm not going to be an artist or I'm not, or I'm not, I hate writing. So I don't want to be an author or whatever it may be. And now that you have this different Avenue, people are going to start getting more interested because I'm sure there's before, you know, 20, well, 21 years ago that there was not many, nearly as many people going into the broadcasting profession. Nope, not at all. And that's the interesting part because now nowadays you're seeing all these people wanting to go go into it. I want to be the next ESPN uh, analysis or whatever. I mean, I want to be on the news and stuff like that. But before this was taken to light, that people were unable to really have that aspiration to go get something that they didn't even know about before. Yep. I'll, I'll tell you, the creative side of it is is really um, special, really important. But my class has also been a savior for some of my kids that are um, very math and science oriented, but not interested in math and science. So they're very detailed. Um, they're very uh, exacting and specific in what they do. They, those kind of people make fabulous editors. 
and they make fabulous sound technicians. Um, I have I have a former student who's um, been nominated for an Oscar for sound design on um, I forget the name of his cartoon was, but it was a Disney cartoon, and so he was just a kid who was into music. He just was into music. He had no, you know, when I first got him as a minor. There was no thoughts of like films coming down the street, you know, I'm going to be a film director or whatever, but he loved music. And it was just once he realized what he could do in the sound range of a film, you know, he went off and on his own and he's done really, really well. So you're right. There's there's a, a whole lot of creativity, but there's also a lot of technical skill for some of these jobs. And it's it can be really um appealing to some of these kids that their minds think like math, but they don't actually want to do math. Yeah. It's like incorporating some, like two things together that you didn't realize fit together until, you know, something starts going through your, your head in general. So Marge question that I've been meaning to ask you for a while. If I am a guy not going to the movies, but I'm going on Amazon prime, I'm looking up a movie what three movies am I going to watch that you recommend? Oh my gosh. I'll tell you what I, I, I pretty much, I've narrowed it down. I have three favorite movies and this is my, this is my stock answer, my three favorite movies. But the bottom line is I'm constantly telling my kids, Oh, this is a merge must see movie up. Oh, this is a merge must see movie because it, there's so much good stuff out there. So, but I'll give you my three. Okay, my, my three are Breakfast Club, which everybody needs Great to movie. see. I don't care how old you are. Everybody needs to see it. Well, once you turn to a teenager and older. And then I also love, absolutely love, love, love Deadpool. I think Deadpool is one of the best movies ever made. It has the most fabulous opening title sequence in the whole wide world. I just adore it. And then my other favorite movie is a psychological thriller called Identity with John Cusick. It's um, it's on the older side, but it, it's just fabulous. I love movies that make me think. I do not want someone to spoon feed me all the answers to what's going on. I want to actually be surprised or be thinking about it or be talking about it when I'm leaving the theater. If you can make me talk about a movie after I'm done watching it, if you make me want to talk about a movie after I'm done watching it, it's, it's a good movie. So yeah, they did their job. <laughs> yeah. What, so what are your top three? I mean, so to be honest, here we go. I'm really basic and being a business guy, my number one all time favorite movie is of course the Wolf of Wall Street. Cause if you don't Fabulous like the Wolf, movie. I mean, and Margaret Robbie's in it. Let's be honest people. Come on. <laughs> you can't beat that. Anyway, I'm not. obviously Wolf of Wall Street Next, I probably ought to go Infinity War better than Endgame. Don't at me, though. I just think it makes more sense. I, I you don't, don't get any argument from me. I'm not into that. So, <laughs> And then, ah, oh, man, number three, number three. No, it's it's a kid's movie, but Moana is actually a, really? great, a great movie. I don't know why I like it either. It's just like a Disney movie that I'm not a big cart cartoon guy either unless it's like some anime like naruto or avatar whatever it may be but i really actually liked moana probably because like the rocks in it because i mean how could you hate the wayne johnson like come on 
Like, he got to be crazy. He's such a good guy. He's never done anything wrong, right? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm not an animation fan, but there's some really fabulous stuff out there, that, you know, animated wise. But um, I can't say I've ever seen Moana. Um, and I, well, anything past after my son got sort of outgrew the whole animated thing. Um, I haven't seen too many animated movies, so I'm a little behind in that department. But there are some really good ones. But well, the reason I like them, I I just like Moana. I've liked it. I like a couple other as well, like Finding Nemo. Is I just think it's cool to see how much technology has grown into making these people look like more realistic. Like the day you remember when uh, I know that there's a couple movies and it's like all like the nightmare before Christmas, how it's all claymation, how long it takes them to, you know, make that. I remember we watched some kind of movie in your class that was all claymation. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself like, Oh my God, you know, editing a 10 minute video must've been hell for hours and hours and days and days and months and months and months of work. Stop motion drives people crazy. But if you're one of those detailed oriented people, then it might be your thing. You know, I make my kids do stop motion every year. My minors just got done um, doing a stop motion. And I'll tell you, when they went into it, they were all just all over the place and all complaining and just like, yeah, head's going to explode, blah, 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 blah. But they put out some pretty darn good stuff. Once they realized how to do it, some of them realized they had a real knack for it. So no, I think that's what I think that's what people like think about just you know getting off the topic of, of that is that people think that something's really hard and they don't want to do it and then they do it and then they like it whether it be you know broadcasting whether it be going to college taking a class that you don't like and then you end up like I've talked about it a lot but like that's the thing you got to explore these different avenues I'm sure like the word that I like to do uh, like to say is you know get yourself uncomfortable and that's what I'm sure that a lot of people loved making, you know, the typical movie of them acting and stuff. And then they got the claymation. They were like, oh, my God, this sucks. Like, I do not want to do this. And then they <laughs> went and did it. And then you realize and then they were like, oh, I mean, like, this was actually kind of fun. And that's why I think more people need to have an open mind about like, if you think something's stupid, don't say it's stupid until you actually did it. Right. Agreed. Yeah, I just, I wish more people would kind of have that open mindset and whatever it may be and just explore different things instead of just saying that I don't like anything. I remember when I used to come home from school and I, my dad asked, what'd you learn today? And I would say, nothing. That's the, nothing. <laughs> I, I hated, I hated saying that. I look back on it and I say, I hate when I said that because you, you did learn something. You just didn't realize that you hey. did. It seems to me you were a typical teenager. That's a typical teenager response. Nothing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you you've heard that you've heard the story fifteen thousand times, right? Day in and day out. But um, or something else that I want to you know touch on before you know we go on with our uh, our day is you know this world of broadcasting is new, and the internet is something that's newer. It's been invented. I'm newer. I want to say that. It's, you know, it's prevalent in all of our lives. What do you think the number one thing that you would warn people about nowadays besides the whole manipulation thing? What would you tell people out there to say like, hey, maybe you should understand this about, you know, what's going on? Um, you know, my, my mind immediately goes to 
unfortunately for kids your age and people nowadays, everything you do is being recorded. Everything is being watched and everything is permanently out there. What? So, you know, back in my day, I could, I mean, I got away with a lot of stuff. I was, you know, no angel and I got away with a lot of stuff. And fortunately it doesn't come back to haunt me because there was nobody there running a video camera in my face. So nowadays kids, everybody, even adults, everybody, they get behind the screen and they say things that they would never say face to face. And they, um, they um, post things that they would never do, you know, live in front of somebody. And, and they, it's just, and I hate the, I hate the, the other thing that really bothers me is this, um, the culture that's now evolved when there's a, um, a car accident or a fight or something, people just stop and film instead of helping. You know, I can't imagine the, my first thought being whipping out my phone so I can film. And I'm a TV teacher. But it still would not be my first thought. My first thought is to jump in and try to stop or fix or whatever needs to be done. But nowadays, you know, I, I watch I'm one of those people that love all those like the dash cam vids and the, all that kind of stuff. I love that crazy thing. But it, and it amazes me is how, how many car accidents I've seen where then cars keep driving. There's an accident, like a four car accident right smack in the middle of the highway and people just keep driving. People keep driving. People could, I can't imagine that. You know, so I don't know. I probably just got on my soapbox a little bit, but you really need to be careful about what you post. And uh, you can tell somebody over and over and over again. And until they actually make that mistake, they're probably not going to really learn the lesson. Because everyone, like you were saying earlier, everyone's looking for that 15 minutes of fame. If I post yeah. a viral video, no matter what, even if I'm not in it. My account, you know, blows up or whatever, whatever it may be. I get 15,000 Twitter followers. And that's the part of today's society that I do not like as well. Everyone's so attached to this thing called our phone and this capability. It's a blessing and a curse, right? Everyone, everyone has that. Everything that you ever do has a yin and yang most of the time. And that's True. where videography comes in. You can pull out your phone and you could track every single thing that you did in a day or whatever it may be. But the thing is, you don't realize what you're catching on camera most of the time. You don't know what that other person's going through. You don't know, like you were saying, like someone gets in a car accident and then you pull out your phone and you start recording. Like that makes 20 years ago, that wouldn't be an issue because everyone, no one would really care what to post because that's the first inclination that goes into a lot of people's minds nowadays how can I become famous on the internet? That's, that's, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's the glorification of fame. It's the very glorification of, you know, everyone can become famous on YouTube. Great opportunity. Again, the yin, the yin and yang, you have to understand both to understand the whole concept. The yin, you know, I could become famous on the internet from one video. The yang, am I really helping society in this moment? with what I'm doing, or am I just trying to do something for myself rather than the bigger purpose? And that's what I want people to understand more or less, but merge before we, uh, we, before we get going here, I'd like to ask all my, um, viewer or my guests, this, what is one piece of wisdom that you would like to pass on to the listeners out there? 
Okay, so I thought long and hard about this because you you know you had given me a heads up on this one, and I can't say that there's any major piece of wisdom that a particular person has passed down to me, other than maybe like kindness and empathy for others. But that's not like a saying saying. But I've lived my whole life back as long as I can remember. My saying has been live and let live, and and I truly believe that that's how we should be in this world is live and let live. You do you and let everybody do them. And as long as nobody's getting hurt, then what's the complaint about? Like, I, I don't understand why people have to get up in everybody else's business. And I don't care. I don't, I don't understand why people care about what other people do when it has no direct bearing on them. So live and let live. That is my philosophy. Go do you, go do you, don't let anyone tell you that you're, you know, you're messing up. Haters are going to hate. Throw on your, you know, hater goggles or whatever it may be and, you know, go on with your day, brush it off your shoulder, get going to what you guys want to do. But that is a wrap for another episode of the Ronan Bell Show. Merge, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, Is there anything that you would like to plug before, you know, we go on with our night? Go take our class. (laughs) Watch, Watch Ram Country Television. Yes, RCTV. Go check out RCTV or if you are Subscribe. in the college, <laughs> if you're in the college or Springford area, guys, I love you guys for listening to this podcast. Hit that follow button. You don't have to like my YouTube video, whatever. That's so cliche. Get that out of here. I hate that I said that 50, 15 times before this episode, but guys have a great rest of your day. And as always, y'all keep on keeping on. <laughs>